Hello and welcome to the Back Page, a video games podcast. I'm Samuel Roberts and I'm joined today by Matthew Castle. Hello. Matthew, brass tacks, how are you feeling after E3 week? Uh, slightly deflated. <laughs> yeah. Is that, is, that allow- is that allowed? I think that tracks, yeah. I'm pretty fucking tired of it, I'll be honest. This is like my first year in a long time I was just watching it as a consumer. And I was exhausted watching all those live streams. Like, the um, proportion of, like, exciting announcements to hours watched was, like, quite small, all in all. So, yeah, yeah, I'm pleased it's over, you know? Yeah, there was a lot of, kind of, little hype spikes of, like, oh, are we going to get excited? And then they were met with this sort of deafening silence afterwards. So it was an emotional roller coaster. Yes, Um, indeed, yeah. So I thought, for this episode, I imagine a lot of the people at home are probably quite tired of E3 at this point, so we thought we would remix E3 2021 in a slightly more novel format. So people seem to enjoy our game developer draft episode, which was a lot of fun, but in this episode, while we're not going to compete, me and Matthew thought we would, as the title of this podcast suggests, turn E3 2021 into a games magazine. So... We've hatched a very silly fictional scenario, which we'll explain a little bit later. We're going <laughs> to basically do some of the kind of like granular conference and announcement stuff first. A pretty good overview of the show. We won't go mega granular with every single conference just because, you know, it's all happened now and we kind of want to focus on the more exciting stuff and, you know, some of the like low lows. So, yeah, I would say in this episode, you're going to get a kind of big mix of stuff, but with hopefully a kind of fun magazine lens. Have you? Um, how did you find the process of um, coming up with your fictional magazine, Matthew? Before we get to that, did you enjoy that that bit of it? I've worried it's a bit serious. It's not like zany because you know. I think if you if you reach for zany, it can be quite misjudged. Um, I think you need to stumble into accidental zaniness, if any. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. I like interesting kind of multi-format approach as well. I've never actually covered E3 as a as a multi-format magazine, so. You know, having the pick of anything is quite exciting. Yeah, I think people enjoy how we've done that. So, um, yeah, get ready for some, like, yeah, slightly kind of daft antics in that side. Like Matthew says, it's not, like, enormously forced to be funny. You can't, <laughs> you can't like, make Randy Newman being lowered in a car happen, like, or you know, without it happening organically, basically. You can't force <laughs> it into being, you know what I mean? No, you can't. <laughs> so you're saying that, like, you didn't select um, Randy Newman as a columnist of your magazine, Matthew? Yeah, right, exactly. Like, I felt like I could play to the cheap seats, but I decided not to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially when you've got the uh, same meme image that you could use over and over again on Twitter. <laughs> yes, let's uh, let's kick off then, Matthew. Let's get straight to it. So, E3 this year was a series of live streams. It started with Jeff Keighley's thing. And then kind of like worked its way around a long weekend, basically. Yeah, I think that everyone pretty much agrees the highlight was the Microsoft conference. But um, what were your kind of overall views of the stuff that was shown? Uh, Yeah, I I feel like this year we felt the sting of lockdown a little bit more. Last year, you know, I remember when all the studios sort of shut down. I think it was Phil Spencer said, you're not going to see it. You know, the things which are coming out this year are probably going to still come out this year. You're not really going to sense it, but next year you probably will sense it, and I think that's that's what we got. Just in terms of like 2021 itself seems pretty quiet, and normally I trust an E3 to kind of fill in certain gaps, basically what autumn of games looks like. And I don't know if you put a gun to my head right now, I could tell you what autumn this year looks like, or if indeed there is anything. That's obviously no one's fault. Anything we say in this podcast 
like has to be prefaced with all these shows have been made under enormous pressure and for anyone to achieve anything in these conditions is admirable um so we're not dunking on any of it just the remote nature of it all just is just harder to get excited about you know you just feel that much more removed from it you know even though most people do watch e3 as you know they're not there in person there is an energy to watching a room of people reacting to something which was just missing this year. Yeah, so I agree with you that it felt like it suffered from the uh, lack of stuff. At the same time, I think publishers overreached by having shows. So all of my yeah. lowlights from the um, event are basically publishers who decided to have live streams even though they didn't really have the stuff for it. And, you know, like, uh, f- for better or worse, you want to highlight your game and do it your way. That's fine, but... I think that what maybe gets lost is that if you put a live stream on E3 week, no matter what your live stream is or what your goals are, people think you're making an E3 conference, you know. You can kind of say what you like about it's this and that, but those expectations are very high no matter what. So, yeah, yeah. I echo your point about this was made under enormous stress and, you know, absolutely everyone worked hard on their stuff, but there were still too many live streams, I think, and it was... Yeah, yeah, d- yeah and e- even the one... I knew- I don't really know who's to blame for some of them because I feel like some of the more notorious streams were very honest up front. Let's say Capcom. <laughs> like they, they very explicitly said, we're going to be looking at these things before the stream. And then when the stream only looked at those things, everyone was like, fuck you. <laughs> I don't really know what the communication could have done differently, really. Yeah, I mean, that's a classic um, Ace Attorney fan speaking there. But... Um... Yeah, I agree with you. It was it, they did say these are the things it covers, and everyone knew this was a quiet year for them. They just released Resident Evil Village. Mm. You know, I wasn't expecting to see you know a new Devil May Cry anytime soon, or you know whatever happens next with Resi. It's way too soon. But they just released yeah. Resi Three, like you know, not that long ago either. It, it doesn't help when one of your announcements is like we're announcing that we're going to do something. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just, you know, in the hierarchy of what you want to see at E3, with, like, a playable demo being at the top, and then, like, a gameplay footage somewhere in the middle, and then, like, a CG trailer, way, way below all that is just a black screen with the text, which is, we're happy to announce we are going to do something more with Resident Evil 8. And you're like, oh, okay, (laughs) good. Yeah, sometimes I think as well that the conferences this year were sabotaged a bit by... Either you're trying to kind of like put some kind of zany personality across in the form of quite naff jokes in between your reveals, which is how I would describe the Devolver um, conference, which, um, you know, had phenomenal games, but all these jokes in the middle that I didn't laugh at and I didn't really know who they were for. It were kind of like weird Twitter jokes, but as like live action comedy and it just didn't work at all for me. Then there's stuff like the Gorilla Collective, who... I don't really know. I mean, I know it's a kind of collection of indie stuff, but I didn't. It didn't feel like it was packaged in a way that particularly made sense or was that exciting to watch. But then there's stuff like the Wholesome um, Direct, which is actually a very straightforward. Like, there's a, an intent to what this is, and there's a reason to watch it. So yeah, that's how I felt about the most of the major publisher stuff. But uh, any other mm. thoughts on that stuff, Matthew? I get a little bit sort of down on this sort of. Sort of ghettoization of of like indie stuff into its own weird streams, and the fact that it has to brand itself up. I don't know. There seems something sort of uh, sort of self sabotaging about it because it's basically sort of inviting people. You know, it's it's like suggesting that you're sort of siloing off this stuff that it isn't 
of interest to a, a sort of general audience. Um, I mean, that's obviously down to that, you know, you need a bigger, some kind of bigger organisation or some kind of bigger stream that lets you feature your indie stuff, you know, like where you have your little idea Xbox bit in an Xbox conference, say, or whatever. So it's not it's not indie games' fault, but I, I do find... I, f- I find a lot of the indie streams packed with interesting games, but quite uh, sort of underpowered as a, like a proposition for just a person to watch. Yeah, but maybe that's just me. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the day. I thought of of all the ones that I saw the indie shows, I thought the day of the devs was kind of slickest. You know, which is the double fine kind of sort of headed up thing, and you know they've just got a, a bit more kind of pizzazz, a bit more kind of wit and speed to the whole thing. I know it's tough to to you know to get to get an airing for these things, but I just hope there's a bit more kind of smarter consolidation in future because this idea of like you've got to watch ten hours of different streams to see all these little indie games is I don't know I, d- I don't know if it serves them particularly well. There was a, a rampant amount of enthusiasm on the official E3 live stream for like some quite naff reveals as well, and I found that like really exhausting. It's like mm. you know I mean. This is the E3 live stream, so sure, but I mean, at the same time, it's not mm. really reflective of the truth or how this is actually perceived. So, I like the way. I like the sort of subtle beef between Jeff Keighley and the E3 official <laughs> stream because he kept making very pointed remarks about how he wasn't involved with it, and yeah. he couldn't co-stream it, and how he'd been denied, <laughs> and he was clearly very salty about it. Like, I don't know, <laughs> it's probably not great to like air your dirty laundry like that, but. Where are you at with uh, Jeff Keighley these days, Matthew? Like, <laughs> you can't really, like, look a gift horse in the mouth, I guess is where I stand. Like, he gets some really cool stuff together, mm. and he does get some good announcements. Don't person... I'm not very interested in him here as a person. I don't... I don't like, I'm not really interested in his takes. Like, he feels like I'm just a being of pure hype to me. Like, he doesn't... I, I don't believe that he... I've never really heard him have an opinion on anything which has happened in the past that he's played. It's always the next thing, the next thing, which isn't really you know that's that's not how i really think or kind of care about games you know he, he's just like a lives for trailers and i he, he was so, he's so front and center of it and it is his thing and he's put it together and he's allowed to do that but that seems quite self-serving with all like you can download me as a you know fucking mask in among us or whatever <laughs> i'm like well i mean okay sure <laughs> it's probably just jealousy so uh, you the truth. <laughs> well, you see, over the time, I feel like our peers' kind of like um, perception of him has changed quite a lot. So, I feel like about five or six years ago, or maybe slightly longer, there was definitely a kind of like a real kind of like lack of sort of uh, enthusiasm for his whole deal. I remember when I was in games media in my early days, and he used to host a game trailer, the game trailer show that would have all the exclusives, and that show would never basically say anything critical about a game, even though they were part of a website that did reviews. I found mm. that really frustrating because it's like, well, you are part of the press, but you are kind of like cascading these like big splashy reveals down as kind of like almost promotional content. But now he's kind of like, I think he's very self-aware actually. And I find him quite endearing on social media. And I do think that putting together the sort of thing he puts together is really hard just from my oh, brief yeah. times working on oh, like... Yeah, events, absolutely. You know? Like a- absolute respect for the fact that he does it, that he manages to do it, that he's cornered that bit of the market congrats to him i just i just find it it's so sort of pr focused and it's it's so sort of shamelessly promotional mm. in in its nature 
you know, I just don't, you know, could you name a game that that guy actually likes? It's the <laughs> fact that you get the trailer and he doesn't even react to it. There wasn't like a, well, that was good. It was like, here's the next thing. Here's the next thing. And maybe that's just the pace that works for him. And I find it, I just find it disheartening to watch just to see this endless stream of like, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. I guess he likes Kojima games. <laughs> I imagine he's played them, but, and I think he likes Valve games. But I, I just, any perception of him as a, 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 a just a gamer with tastes, I, I find very hard to, to grasp onto. But I don't follow him on Twitter, so maybe that comes through there. Well, he says he likes Forza Horizon, Matthew, so... Um, oh, well, uh, well, then we're best pals, because I also like that. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah... I take I, it all back. <laughs> I thought there was loads of, like, stuff in his show that I was kind of like, eh, and a lot of men our age dunking on Weezer as well. Uh, I have no real opinion on Weezer, but it was very bizarre, considering there were all these, like, really terrible-looking mobile game characters on screen at the same time. Very strange. <laughs> at that point, it took on more of a, like, Star Wars holiday special vibe. Um, <laughs> but, yeah... Um, so yeah, E3, it was yeah, a bit stretched out. It doesn't have the same impact from home. It never could. But at the same time, I think everyone was just trying to make reveals, a kind of like a scant amount of amazing reveals work really hard. And I, I think that was always going to be a bit of an uphill battle. So mm. that's my verdict on E3, Matthew. You got anything more to say on the subject before no, we move I, on? No, I'm, I'm, I'm roughly with you. And, and again, you know, it's it's tough that there is anything is 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 to be admired. Absolutely, yeah. So, Matthew, we'll go through some of our, like, um, we've got a a few categories here just to kind of sum up E3. Mm. So, who for you won E3? I feel like the answer to this is really obvious and we're going to have the same answer, but who won E3 for you? Uh, I think Xbox won. Yeah, I agree. Okay, that's good. (laughs) For you. I didn't know that was going to (gasps) be (laughs) a... No, it was a really, really confident showing. I feel like they had a really good understanding of what people wanted in a show which was a really great mix of like actual new reveals information about games you already knew about or cared about like release dates and kind of mm. showcasing of stuff where they'd made some really good partnerships including some cool indie games and like the pacing was really good that's the, another thing i'll praise jeff for actually is he understands that your your whole thing just has to be reveal 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 yeah yeah, yeah, abs- abs- absolutely. I think that the through line as well of that Xbox have that no one else has is the it's all coming to Game Pass, you know, or pretty much all but four or something things they had. It's just it's just, that's so potent and it's really exciting because you're looking at it and you, you, you're not looking at it like a well maybe I'll get this. You're like great, I already own all this. It's kind of like here's what you have like already, and I know you are paying for it monthly or whatever, but. You don't really think of it in that same way. It's, you know, really an embarrassment of riches. And I saw during the show, like, in my Twitter feed, when they announced, like, Hades is coming to Xbox and it's in Game Pass, and then just seeing a kind of slightly sort of mealy-mouthed tweet from Sony of, like, Hades coming to PS4 and PS5, and it's like, yeah, but, like, what, I'm going to have to pay for it there? It's, like, three months of Game Pass. You know, it, it it's... When you put them side by side like that, it's the difference is so stark of like, hey, you can buy it from us or you can just kind of have it as this sort of rolling thing with these people. That is the clearest that message has ever felt to me, which was really exciting. Yeah, I particularly felt that this year as a player, as someone who, you know, I don't work in full-time games media anymore. I don't get free games. Like, yeah. I, I, you know, this, I, I would have to pay for this stuff and... You know, stuff like Sable, for example, or Yakuza Like a Dragon, which is just released on the day of the E3 conference and I've now downloaded, like, um, mm. you know, the 
the range of stuff is amazing and like some actual honest to god xbox game studios microsoft game studios games coming out this year as well that was what yeah. got me fired up is that i actually wasn't expecting forza horizon this year i thought we would see turn 10's forza first so when you see that that's out and it's just coming out this year that's incredibly impressive yeah and like unless something goes horribly wrong like that'll be banging that game so like they've just got such a good run of it yeah i you know the, the criticism that is thrown at xbox is that they don't have the absolute sort of triple a that the mega sort of sony polished sort of you know the kind of naughty dog t- sort of rivaling type things and maybe that's true in this particular lineup it's you know the, the you know the, the shiniest the things they have are maybe not quite don't have that quite that same buzz you know they probably are as good i would say you know you know i think you can put forza horizon up against most games you know what stood out was this is a really really rich lineup of stuff and lots of their studios they've bought are totally unaccounted for at this moment like they are obviously working on stuff stuff is coming there was a lot of stuff they denounced previously that they didn't show again they didn't have more to show okay that's less sexy in the short run but you're thinking well I feel like I'm going to be quite well catered for in like two, three years. And this year, I think they've done a really good job of like plugging the gaps with some third party stuff. That uh, the the Warner Brothers sort of left for dead thing, like being able to say, boom, that's in Games Pass. That's that's nice. That's fun. I'm down with that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that all of those kind of like Game Pass reveals were just really, really strong. I mean... I was kind of sharing the um, the image with my partner and just saying, like, hey, these are all the games coming to Game Pass. And she was like, well, there's at least three things I want to play on there coming out this mm. year. And, you know, I think I agree with you that the super polished Xbox stuff, I feel like Microsoft's going to keep throwing money at studios until it has its version of, like, a Naughty Dog kind of game or something that has that weight. But Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, 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 it's tricky because, you know, they're so far off and there's, there's such sort of unknown kind of, sort of quantities, you know, things like... You know, Perfect Dark, Fable, some, I guess some of like the, well, Starfield, I guess it is, is probably fits into that category as well. You know, there's, they're just, they could be, you know, they have the shape of being, you know, big open world games are, you know, an exciting place where Sony have done some good stuff. You know, they could be great, but it's just impossible to tell at this point. Yeah, I absolutely can't underestimate as well what an absolute shot in the arm having Bethesda was for Microsoft. So I think Starfield was like an amazing reveal to kick off with. Um, I think that like they just showed enough and said enough about it in like interviews around it to make that reveal feel kind of weighty. The fact that they kind of came with a release date as well was just a really kind of like good message of intent and the very important message, of course, of like you cannot play this on PS5, Mm. which is, you know. Uh, the kind of like as you've kind of said in the past is a good bit of like an obnoxious play by microsoft you gotta (laughs) you gotta admire the hustle and um i think it was the right thing to do uh, for them um but i say that Mm. as someone who has you know a pc and an xbox so um yeah yeah um but yeah so um i liked all of that generally speaking extremely strong conference the only thing in there that i looked at and thought is this definitely a real game was stalker 2 reveal the reveal for that felt a bit like vertical slicey to me it felt like someone selling a publisher on making that game. I didn't feel like I was seeing any real continuous footage of it. I felt like I was seeing very small kind of like percentages of like little bits of the game. I didn't feel like I was looking at something that's going to be out next year. That's like yeah. maybe an ultra cynical view of that. But yeah, I don't know. Something about that one. But um, was there anything in that conference that you weren't convinced by? 
no, not really. I, I was disappointed they didn't show more of the Halo campaign or really any of the Halo campaign. I think they did like a they showed another cut scene, which is just the bit of Halo I do not care about at all. Is is the is basically the story, but the multiplayer montage I thought looked quite fun, but. That's still a, a bit of a mystery, that one. Yes, here's something I noted. They didn't show any aliens from Halo, did they? They just showed, like, Master Chiefy kind of, like, characters with that Mjolnir mm. armour. You didn't see any of the, you know, Craig or any of the kind of, like, yeah, meme aliens. they just don't want to be memed. They didn't want to... They're, they're under strict meme control, <laughs> which is probably good. I also thought it was funny they rolled out um, Joseph Staten and, and they were like, hey, look, it's that guy who worked on some old Halos. And, like, yeah. it's like, yeah, okay. Uh, we won't talk about the um, the people who left the project last year and how that made it seem like it was in quite a lot of turmoil. Who lost E3, Matthew? Oh, it's just... Who did you think lost it? Uh, Koch Media. So, okay, I tuned into Koch Media's live stream very briefly. And there were loads and loads of, like, long boring interviews with developers so i'm gonna like say this about Koch, right they have like an amazing range of developers that embracer group's been like hoovering up amazing talent they own everyone from obviously like the you know saints row developers volition to the metro developers at 4a right up to like julian gollop studio and the developers of satisfactory they own valheim i only realized that the other day they own valheim right. embracer group and the fact that they couldn't turn all of the stuff they built, like billions worth of like studios, into one good live stream. I found like immensely frustrating. I was like, mm. it's eight o'clock on a Friday, and I'm I'm watching this like really disappointing live stream. So, all the publishers, to various degrees, either like had disappointing live streams, or I don't know, like had challenges in their live streams. I will say this. Yeah. For, I will say this for Square Enix, right? Their live stream had like actual games in it, and yeah. I didn't. I didn't think that was nearly as bad as people said it was. I did think that. Actually, I'll save, I'll save um, the criticism of the Final Fantasy game for the next section. But <laughs> I thought that I thought they I thought they had like they had actual games. They had a Final Fantasy game you hadn't seen before. They had Guardians of the Galaxy. They had Life is Strange, and you know a quite big update yeah. for the Avengers game. I thought it was perfectely fine, not amazing, but fine. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, you wouldn't. Yeah, you, you, that wouldn't have like that would have been fine any other year as well. That's kind of what you expect from them in terms of like, the number of games that they had stuff that was kind of a surprise and ready to show off and talk about in depth. Always good. Yeah, no problems. Yeah, so yeah, so it's Koch for me, just because of all of those, I was there thinking, I don't know why this live stream exists. I feel like the fundamental premise of E3 has been misunderstood. And I just thought, with all that money, surely you can turn it into like one good live stream. And so, um, yeah, not very good. But um, do, you have an, do you have a nominee for this category, Matthew? It's 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 more like, it's more like the, the, abs- like the absence of Sony feels like feels bad to me. The fact they didn't have anything, you know, unless I'm mistaken and they've booked something in for like a month's time, just to sidestep it just feels kind of, I don't know, weak. You know, everyone else had their shot, everyone else had their go. Just felt felt very underwhelming. Like, I feel like I know the Xbox story for the next year. Don't really know what, what I'm meant to think about PlayStation 5. Yeah, so I actually like hard disagree with that. Um, okay. I think I, I do agree that like them not being there. This is a point I saw made on Twitter by Jeremy Peel, I think, that not having Sony there means that you kind of like miss the wow factor of drawing loads of attention to E3 at one time and being like, Mm. this is the center of games happening at once. That I agree with. By not having Sony there, you miss out on something for sure as, you know, uh, this kind of gaming's great moment. Um, So I kind of understand that. At the same time, like, I would say the burden was really on Microsoft to prove it had any games like Sony has released. Ratchet and Clank, Returnal, Spider-Man, 
Demon Souls, you know, Asteroids Playroom. Mm. Like, there are things you can play on your PS5, exclusive games that you will, like, enjoy and get excited about. They have Horizon, they announced Horizon, they've got God of War, they've got Gran Turismo, they've got Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo. Those are just, like, some of the games that we know about from them. That's a pretty... They are the games we know about. <laughs> yeah, but those are, like... That's it. Yeah, does, they are. So, yeah, does I don't, Microsoft I may, have may, as many games as as that? To... May, maybe it's it's just a lot. Maybe it's it's. I, I don't know. I, I'm not. I haven't got. I'm not in a honeymoon period with my PS5. I think is the problem. Like the games they've released, I don't care about. I don't care about Ratchet and Clank. I don't care about Returnal. I haven't bought either of them. They're too expensive. I can't. I can't spend that much on something I I am only fifty percent sold on. Going forwards, Horizon. I don't care about it. Like I, I, maybe this just is me personally. I need. I need a reason to care about what PlayStation 5 are doing because Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo are the two things I'm looking forward to. And even them, I'm thinking, well, I'm going to own them on Game Pass because they technically belong to Microsoft. That's that's the challenge. All right, um, so what was your mis- most disappointing reveal of E3? I didn't really have mega like high hopes for anything particular. I, I guess it would probably be that, that, that this new Switch didn't manifest. Is that does that count? Because it's not a reveal. <laughs> well, it's been so like heavily talked about that you kind of just want them to get on with it. You know, it's just too much smoke for there to be no fire, as we've discussed before. So, yeah, yeah, yeah like that. That was that was a shame. I'd like there to be something Nintendoy sort of like in 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 the next year that I'm really excited about. I mean, it would probably get me booed on Twitter, but like a lot of the stuff at Nintendo's thing was cool and surprising. But I wouldn't say it was like like a knockout hit of stuff that i really love it's like you know an advanced wars you know redo and i'm not a big advanced wars guy you know I've, I've talked about that before i think and also like i just didn't really like the look of it the the visual style of it didn't really didn't really appeal to me the warioware games i've reviewed the last you know almost 15 years of warioware games and they've all been quite bad since the gamecube unfortunately and so it's not you know i just saw people being like yes and you're like these aren't necessarily like the the teams i'm incredibly excited about metro dread great breath of the wild absolutely stonking but it wasn't quite the the sort of the hyper ventilating uh, smash that some of my peers seem to think it is yeah i think it was a rare example of nintendo playing to the crowd like having monkey ball there Having advanced wars there, Metroid there, yeah. but I am the crowd yeah. though. Yeah, I'm like the very definition of that. <laughs> That's true, but I don't think like I think you've got quite specific tastes within like Nintendo stuff. Like I don't think you just lap up any old Nintendo stuff. No, uh, no, no. And it again, I think they were just unfortunate. They happened to hit some things which are either series that I'm not like mad about personally, but I might kind of admire or. I've just played too many bad WarioWare games from the WarioWare team to, to, to be, like, all in on WarioWare anymore, which just feels, like, terrible that you say that out loud. You feel like you should hand in your badge, but I don't know. I hold, I'd hold Nintendo to a higher standard. <laughs> you know, I, I, I need the stuff to be exceptional. I just wanted the new glimpse of, like, a new Mario or a Mario Kart or something. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so I think um, I agree with you about the Advance Wars art style. I was looking at the. I put on the um, the DS, uh, one of the DS games last night, just to look at it on, on on the kind of screen and be like, oh yeah, these games really did have like a beautiful art style. Mm. It looks a bit sort of mobile gamey. I just if you if that was like an original Nintendo game, you would say it doesn't look very nice for a Nintendo game. I would say. Um, yeah, yeah, but I just I don't know. I don't know if 
just you're not allowed to say that in this day and age anymore. I, you know, I don't know. Like the, the you can't be cancelled um, for not liking an advance wars art style. Yeah, what was the what was the name of the what's the kind of advance wars sort of um, Wargroove. homage that like Chucklefish did? Yeah, Wargroove. Yeah, Wargroove. You know, that's what a modern version of advance wars looks like. You know, that that in my head, that it's been done, and you see this, and it just looked a little a little static, a little flat. Yeah, oh, I'm so sorry to the people. I bet there's some people <laughs> listening to us who are like, fuck, fuck you, man. <laughs> you're meant to be the Nintendo guy. <laughs> no, you're the discerning Nintendo guy. That's like, you know. I, I, well, I, yeah, very much so. I feel like you have to be. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. I actually th- I found, I thought it was about as good as a Nintendo Direct gets, like, um, which is probably more of a comment on the on how Nintendo does stuff and the variety of the reveals. It was cool that um, all the Danganronpa games are coming to Switch. Yeah, um, that's yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, I should I shouldn't sort of um yeah, forget about that. That that is cool. And that Zelda footage is like I mean that's that's my favorite thing at E3 by miles. Yeah, that was our next category then. So, your favorite surprise reveal of the show. So, it was Breath of the Wild 2 for you. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, you know, just to have any idea of what they're doing with it and that they're you know, taking it to the skies is it, it's just so exciting to me. I, mean, I think it's it's you know, for all its flaws. You know, Skyward Sword obviously had the ground air split. It was very limited, very mechanical. But like that, even just the idea of it and you know, skydiving and all this, it just feels very adventurous and exciting to me. And like the idea that they can sort of deliver on that appeal for real, um, that's that's super exciting. That that also feels like a team that's like you know what we didn't quite do this right in Skyward Sword but this is a great idea let's let's make sure we do it this time yeah I can't wait I thought it was a good reveal I I thought it was about half of what it should have been like it felt like the gameplay kind of cut off at a point where I was ready to see something really new and exciting and if someone told me it was like a quite a like a twenty quid expansion for Breath of the World. And it's like, oh yeah, we put some new islands floating above the old world. I'd be like, I'd kind of believe them. Like, Except they've done 20 quid expansions and they were a lot less ambitious than that. <laughs> That's true. I guess I'm comparing it to, you know, your sort of shivering isles, sort of like size I, expansions. I am yeah. like, I, I, I do think it's it's fascinating that the continent, the original continent is still there or appears to be there. And you still, you seem to be exploring the same landmass hmm. because to me, I, you know, I feel like... I have kind of exhausted the topography of that world, you know? I know that world inside out. You'd have to do something, like, pretty substantial to to make it new again. So I don't know if that means, like, the majority of it's up above or, you know, I always assumed they'd expand it in some way, and upwards is interesting. But, you know, there were, a bit, there were a couple of clips in that in that trailer where you thought, well, this this could be the first game when the the rock monster comes out with the goblins on its back and it's just on a bit of grass you're like oh that's that place yeah interesting i mean god knows what they're doing yeah i was sort of um i think my mind would be changed on that if i saw something like different with the powers going on so Mm. it's sort of like i'd like to see you know are they adding any kind of like new abilities that sort of thing to kind of mess with the world and the systems that's the stuff that's you know really exciting about breath of the wild so Mm. yeah i i really liked it though and i won't deny that when i saw saw it kick off but i was i was like incredibly like buzzed like oh here we fucking go here we go here's right yeah yeah. (laughs) so i definitely got that feeling but i yeah i felt like there was about a minute of like really cool footage and then it was sort of over before I could get really pumped, and considering they announced it two years ago, 
I thought they'd have slightly more, but you know, mm. hey, you know, it's a, it's a Breath of the Wild sequel that I will absolutely play to death. So um, mm. yeah, no uh, no qualms there from me. Um, so um, is there anything uh, that was missing from the show, Matthew, that you were um, waiting to see for the rest of the year? Uh, no, not really. I mean, you know, all, all the Microsoft stuff that they announced last year, you know, your Fable, your, um, oh, what's the Obsidian, sort of a, a Elder Scrollsy looking thing. Avowed. 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 Uh, Perfect Dark. Like, I'd obviously love to see all these things. I'd like to see next-gen games, with, you know, set in new franchises. I, you know, I'd love to see what the Mario team are up to, but... That's basically, I know it isn't true of E3, that's true of pretty much every day of the year. There isn't a day that wouldn't be improved by that. So, yeah, it's 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 sort of fine. I don't know. I feel like as a punter, I don't know, slightly less invested in E3 than I was as a journalist because there it felt like it was going to define my working year. And now I'm just like, okay, you know. <laughs> yeah. I also wondered if a lot of the really like sexy Nintendo stuff was maybe being held off for this whenever this console is revealed. And yeah, then, you know, maybe that's putting too much hope in Nintendo, which is always a I dangerous mean, thing to do. Yeah, like when the, when they announced the original Switch, you know, and they came out with like, you know, obviously they'd shown bits of the Breath of the Wild, but they went heavy on Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey and all this kind of, you know, the Smash Brothers. Yeah, it, it was really exciting. I mean, it was super, you know, Nintendo can kind of pack it in when they want to. And Met- I, I shouldn't undersell like the the pleasant surprise of Metroid. You know, you went into that show with no Metroid on the horizon and you left it with a Metroid coming out in, what, three months? I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah, so um, I guess we'll see what happens the rest of the year. For me, I was kind of hoping to see the rumoured, this game that cannot possibly be as good as it sounds on paper, which is the Marvel XCOM game coming from 2K and rumoured to be coming from Firaxis. So that was um, rumoured via kind of a Reddit leak that was correct about the um, Wonderlands reveal, the Borderlands spin-off. So that probably is a real game, this Marvel XCOM thing, whatever it is. Mm. Um, Yeah, in my head, that's the greatest game of all time. So, um, yeah, it's uh, I'm really curious to see what that looks like when it finally emerges. But, yeah, Yeah. that missed the show. Cool. In which Mm. case, we'll take a brief break then, Matthew, and we'll come back with our hypothetical magazines of E3. Welcome back to the podcast. So, in this section, me and Matthew have hypothetically built a kind of um, multi-format magazine. A kindly billionaire has given us both the money to start rival magazines. This is the same billionaire, so he's kind of a (laughs) psycho. He's a bit of a psycho who just wants to see us kind of have a fight to the death, I think, but (laughs) in the form of print media, our chosen form. So, um, yeah, and um, while the thought of making a magazine for E3 2021 sounds a bit too stressful for me right now, it's um, basically a launch pad for a kind of like new pretend magazine. So me and Matthew have later in the podcast we've got we've come up with a, a name for the for the uh, each of our magazines. We've come up with like what the kind of cover game is, all that stuff. So people <laughs> kind of get an idea of what what it's about. Obviously, it's not to be taken that seriously. I recommend that you go out and buy real magazines like Edge and PC Gamer and Retro Gamer. They um, you know, made by very talented people. And um, the following kind of like um, cheap nonsense is not to uh, devalue the fine work that they do. So um, <laughs> with that caveat in mind, um, let the fun begin. So what we've basically done is like a, it's basically like a top 10 of our reveals from the show. So there's a cover feature, which is like first place. There's a secondary big game feature, which is second place. And um, 
it kind of goes down from there. So I think, Matthew, what we do is, what we just say is, we say it's like first place, second place, and then we kind of read out how much space it gets in your magazine. That way I think people can kind of follow it at home as a kind of simple one to ten thing. So unlike some of our other lists, we're not counting down. We're going to start with our most exciting thing and then count down to some of the stuff we're less excited about, but, you know, it's still made our magazine. So, um, you know, oh, we're kind of excited. I'm looking at my list and it's it's bad. <laughs> I don't know. I, I cross-checked mine with a bunch of like best of E3 lists, and uh, there's actually quite a lot of crossover in what people think are the good stuff from the C3. It's not like uh, it, it's quite hard to have a really radical choice, I think. So okay, I don't, oh, I don't we'll think see. I don't think you can go really wrong. Um, you know, unless you're gonna, I don't know. I, I don't even know what a bad choice would be. Um, well, I think I've got a few. <laughs> all right then. So, uh, what's your cover feature, Matthew? What's um, first place for you from E3? Yeah. So my cover feature is surprise, surprise. The sequel to Breath of the Wild. I'm going big on Nintendo. I have a vague theme to a lot of my games, which is that we're going big on worlds and the concept of exciting new worlds in this issue. And I think just a, a shot of a... Um, well, I was going to say a shot of a, like a skydiving Link or a Link heroically flying through the air is really great. I forget that the assets for Breath of the Wild <laughs> don't show his face at all in any of them, which some people think is because they think it's going to have interchangeable Link and Zelda as playable characters, so that they're kind of holding back that reveal. In fact, I think in the trailer, there are a couple of shots where I think it is quite clearly Zelda and not Link, hmm. who's who's in the action. So I, I think this is going to be a great game to celebrate, but I am also absolutely dreading making a cover from it. What if it's um, Zelda on the um, regular ground continent and there's Link in the sky and that's how they delineate it so she's got different powers? Do you think that might be how they mix it up? Yeah, that that could be a thing. Yeah, definitely. Well, weirdly, though, the, tr- in the, 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 the shot where I think it's clearly Zelda, she is in the sky. Ah, okay. Um, she sort of warps up. You know, there's that sort of shot of like a puddle of water getting pulled up into a crystal. I wonder if you'll be sort of like warping between the two. I hope it's seamless. I hope that you can jump from the up above and skydive down because that is like that's that's amazing. That's a ten out of ten moment for sure. If it's a bit if it's done a bit vague, if it's a bit fakesy, that'll be depressing. But yeah, I, I think Breath of the Wild too. I mean, listen, I just wanna I wanna do a Nintendo cover. If I'm gonna launch a magazine, I feel like I have to. Okay, you know, Brand Castle demands it. That's fair enough. Yeah, I think that was always going to be on the cards. I deliberately didn't pick this game because I thought you would pick it. Um, it actually wouldn't have been my main pick for, for my cover game anyway. But um, mm. yeah, I can't deny it's a, a sort of a majestic reveal in terms of like, you know, finally we're seeing it and people are getting excited about it. Yeah, there's. Uh, it feels like we're going to have to wait another year till we see it again now, which is kind of a bummer. But um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it'll be a nightmare cover feature to write because it'll be <laughs> like, right, we're doing 10 pages on this trailer. <laughs> I doubt we'd have any access. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be like the um, the end gamer days of like um, dissecting uh, Mario Galaxy levels, you know. Yeah, it's like I, we have to do this, but also we are doomed. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I apologise to my theoretical staff writer. <laughs> yeah, I like it's just you and one staff writer. That's uh, I can just picture that. Um, okay, good. Uh, so yes, uh, my cover feature. Then I've picked Elden Ring as um, my number yeah. one. So, yeah, that was this. This I thought was a fantastic reveal because it's a game that's not that far away from being released. It's um, out early next year, in theory. Uh, hopefully, there'll be no delays on that, but you never know. And um, yeah, I think that even though it def- definitely looks a bit more Dark Soulsy than Sekiro, which kind of bummed me out, sounds like it's got some RPG systems, which 
might make me fall into the old Dark Souls trap of, oh, you picked, you literally picked the wrong type of weapon to complete this game. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> great. <laughs> one of the best games ever. Which is why Sekiro is perfectly balanced, because it's all built around one build, and all you can change is your abilities, which I yeah, right. much prefer. So you were meant to pick the spoon. Oh, if you didn't pick the spoon <laughs> as your sub-item, you're basically fucked, and you're like, oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will say for this one, the cover art is not very good. Like, um, everything I've been taught about cover art, that you need eye contact and a big character and all that stuff, I think it's a man very solemnly, like, plonking a sword in the ground, and it, then, like, that... He- I thought that was the cover. It's exactly the same as the cover art for Dark Souls 3 because we did a Dark Souls 3 cover on official Xbox and it is a knight in that position. Mm. Yeah, I think I'd still have to... I mean, what I'd hope is that the PSD is fucking massive and I can zoom right in on him and then, like, <laughs> I don't know, stick the kind of, like, the Elden Ring logo thing in the background somewhere. But Oh, with and it's got loads of layers so you can basically turn everything off except the amazing monster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So uh, yeah, I would um I would force a very stressed out art designer into um fashioning this into a good cover. So <laughs> Elden Ring. Yeah. I mean, for all of like the things I didn't care about at the um the uh, Summer Jeff Fest twenty twenty one. Um, the closing out with the Elden Ring reveal was um a big swing. So. Uh, well done to him on that. So, what's, yeah, your no- sure. what's your number two, Matthew? Your secondary big game feature? My secondary big game feature is Elden Ring. <laughs> yeah. Do you have anything to add on the reveal? Uh, no, I, but I thought I, I liked that it looked like it's going to be a big world. I thought that was exciting. A little bummed out how Dark Soulsy it looked. I thought the George, uh, the George R. R. Martin connection was going to mean this was going to be a more accessible game. Because I thought they'd be like, oh, let's get all the people who like Game of Thrones to buy it. But actually, it looks like it's going to be as like rock art as anything he's ever made, as uncompromising as anything he's ever made. And so all the people are like, oh, I like Peter Dinklage, are going to get it and then get their ass kicked. And it's <laughs> going to be such a rude awakening. So that's that That was interesting. But I just I love the imagery of it. I love the look of the world. I just thought it, I just thought it looked just super, super exciting. Yeah, it looked great. Yeah, it was one of the best reveals in terms of, like, stuff they actually showed of the game. Oh, yeah. Like, the pot with arms. There's a pot with arms. That's amazing. That was good, yeah. There's that um, big boy. He's got, like, a bell underneath him. Oh, the big guy with the bell for a tummy. I was, oh, try- I was trying to work out if that was a reused bell asset from Sekiro, and uh, I don't think it was, but, um, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it looked a little bit... I saw some people saying, because of the horse and the size of some of the bosses, it had a little bit of a Shadow of the Colossus vibe. Should be exciting. Yeah, um, you know. That'll, that'll be grand, I'm sure. Yeah, but instead of being able to kill a boss in 10 minutes like you can in Shadow Colossus, it'll take you 10 fucking hours. So, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's hilarious when they were in the IGN interview. He was like, oh, how long is it? And he's like, oh, it's probably about 30 hours, you know. <laughs> and they were like, oh, yeah, about the same as the other games then. It's like, yeah, not when I'm playing them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, I think you'll find that's very uh, variable, sir. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I thought that also if this was my cover feature, he was doing some good um, access around it, actually, some good interviews. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was um, nice to see him be so comprehensive about it. It was a really good reveal, and I'm glad they waited, actually, to do it the way they did. So, uh, yeah, Mm. good stuff. So, my secondary feature uh, is Breath of the Wild 2, Matthew. So, we've just got... um, (laughs) We've just traded places there. So, um, you know, lots of heated competition between the two magazines. I have nothing Mm. further to say on that reveal, but um, I look forward to seeing more of the game down the line. I I think they're... Weirdly, they're tapping into the same sort of thing, the same sort of sense of adventure... But how they do it is just very different, and Zelda speaks to me a lot more than Miyazaki making me look like a just completely inept. In terms of the kind of quality of reveals, you do have to. There's at least like 
five or six things on this list that I'm really excited about. So um, yeah, I think it, mm. I think it's hard to say it was a complete failure of an E3. Really, it was just a mixed affair. So um, mm. yeah. So what's your number three, Matthew? Which is your main preview, like a, a four-page. Yeah, so my main preview is Forza Horizon Five, which I just a huge, huge fan of this series. I think Forza Horizon 4 is just absolutely sublime. They make games that make me like racing games. They are all the fun bits of cars, none of the boring bits of cars. Um, The idea of just driving impossibly sexy, shiny machines, but in this open world where you can just throw them off cliffs and things rather than just around boring tarmac tracks like in Forza Motorsport. You know, the, the, the whole spiel of it being set in Mexico and... The, the kind of variety of terrain it gives them and the stuff that they're going to do with the seasons and just how unbelievably good this looked. Yeah, I just thought I, th- I thought this, this just everything I love about Forza Horizon, but kind of turned up a little bit more. Yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah, I um, I thought it was a, a great reveal. There was um, a kind of exactly what you sort of hope for from a reveal like this. Just, um, you know, here's loads of the game. Here's all the stuff the game does. Here are loads of different environments. And also it's out this year. Like well done, yeah. Great reveal, well yeah. done. Yeah, they're great. Playground games, I think, are absolutely amazing at like demoing their games at E3. And weirdly, they normally do it with the opening to the game because their games sort of famously open with like a, basically a tour of the game in like ten minutes and like whips you through lots of different tracks and stuff. And you know, it's designed to be a great intro to their game when you buy it, but it also makes for a killer demo at E3. And this wasn't quite that; it was a bit more abstract. I thought what they were doing, but. Yeah, they're just a real showman, I think. So Yeah, I think it was a great reveal too. Um, so yeah, good Ooh. stuff. Um, and I agree, I think they're probably going to cycle in a lot of Microsoft's like other games that they revealed last year, next year. So you'll see um, some of that other stuff in action. It's been a long time since mm. we've seen Hellblade too, so I'd be curious to see some of that. Mm. But um, yeah, uh, my main preview, my number three game is uh, Starfield. So I think this was like borderline thin as a reveal in terms of like the amount of stuff you saw of it it was Mm. it was basically a teaser trailer but i did think they talked a good talk around it in the couple of like exclusive interviews they had and it was like the promise of a a new big thing from those developers like it looked quite nice in the footage they showed as well i was there thinking well hopefully this won't just look like fallout in space like it won't look like fallout 4 in space where (laughs) i feel like i can see the strings going back to like oblivion for example um, mm. And so I'm hoping it's kind of like a big step up in that respect. I, I will say, quite hard to get an image in my mind's eye of what it is. If you're kind of exploring these worlds, I don't quite get how you go around getting quests and and doing stuff. I can't. I couldn't quite picture what like walking around a planet looks like, for example, or what you fight or what you do most of the time. So there's a Can lot, you... lot to be done. Have they said if it's like set on a planet or if you fly between planets? Is there space in it? Um, I think they've said that it's like set. Uh, it's very strongly suggested by the trailer that you can fly a spaceship, right? So, I think you're going to have to have like multiple areas. Uh, but honestly, a lot has happened this week, and I can't remember what. Yeah, Tom so I'm said. just yeah, I'm intrigued because like out, you know, Outer Worlds does that, but it's very self-contained. Like you don't actually get to do the flying; you just move between smaller sandboxes. Yeah, I and mean, that would be the obvious hurdle of like how you represent space with their level of like detail that they want to do yeah uh it's an actually on my list uh which is really bold and magazine suicide <laughs> to not put a new bethesda game on your on your cover anywhere uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah but. i mean but then you know this is like we have been given money by a billionaire here like um the we well, set the rules the you know I feel like he's basically paying us to be a little bit experimental i, need, I he hasn't outlined you know 
does he want the mag to be a huge success? Is it a vanity project? We don't really know what his motivation is. Yeah, like we'll get the sales back for week one, and whoever's got the lower sales, their throat is a slit immediately, and that's oh, like oh Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> you didn't say that. If you'd said that, I would have thought more carefully about my list, <laughs> or indeed not taken the job to begin with from the billionaire. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, those are all things to think about. Uh, yeah, <laughs> are I- there any perks? <laughs> <laughs> he pays very well. It's like he pays very well, but it's like all the stress of deadline, and also you might be murdered. One of you will be murdered. In fact, <laughs> he um, it's um, it pays eighty grand a year, and that cafe eighty four place that you like, it'll deliver free pizza all year round. So, um, oh, okay, yeah. So, are you are you pleased by that, Matthew? Is that um, that kind of won you over to the role? Yeah, pro- yeah. That's that's you know. I'll I'll eat well for the forty days before I definitely am the one who dies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. That- Luckily, mag sales figures take like fifteen years to materialise, <laughs> so I've got a bit of a stay in execution. Oh, good stuff. So yeah, now we're down to um, our, our two page previews, which is like four, five, and sixth place, Matthew. So mm. what have you got, number four? Uh, I'm going to put Stalker Two there, the Impossible Stalker Two. Like you say, trailer hard to hard to get a gauge on, like what we're actually looking at there, how kind of real this thing is. Um, to me, like the visual quality looked up there with something like Metro Exodus and the idea of delivering that with like a proper open world to explore because Metro Exodus kind of sort of has smaller sort of self-contained sandboxes so it's not like a full massive map. But the promise of, of a full massive map with that kind of level of um, execution, I guess, is very, very exciting to me. I was just super into it. I'm gonna put, I haven't played the the original Stalkers, so you know I don't bring to it like any particular sort of expectations. I did see some people on Twitter saying like, "Oh, it's, it's almost a shame that they got rid of all the jank," because I think people sort of, I don't know, it, it has a special place in certain PC gamers' hearts. It's this sort of weird oddity, and it kind of bums them out to see it kind of go legit. But if it has gone legit, then I'm interested because I don't like jank. Yeah, I would say wait and see on the jank. Like, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's see what the finished game looks like first. Like I say, very limited showing I felt for a game that's like doesn't seem that far away from release. So, um, yeah. But at the same time, like if it's part of Game Pass, I assume that Microsoft would have vetted it quite closely before mm. you know making the deal. So you know, um, mm. I guess we'll see. But yeah, um, not a bad choice, but. Not in my list for the mention the reasons I mentioned earlier. I'm not yet convinced it's a real game just because that series had such a has such a weird like checkered recent history that it's hard to tell. I don't even know. I don't really know much about who's at um, GSE Game World anymore. Like I don't know what oh, the I, state of that studio is. For example, I have no idea. All I know about that game is what I saw in that trailer. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Okay, so my number four is Forza Horizon 5. So oh, nice. I'm less of a Forza Horizon guy than you. That's because I've not really played that much of it, and I really should remedy that because I know I'd enjoy it. It's exactly the kind of racing game I would enjoy. But um, mm. yeah, I know what a great E3 showing looks like, and that was a great E3 showing. I just um, I can just sense that like if that was on the show floor, they'd have a nice chunky demo, a good bit of the map to show you. <laughs> yeah, and, right. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas a lot of these games, I was like, that's just going to be a trailer and you won't see it on the show floor at all. Or you might be see a, you might see a version that's like slightly two minutes long or something like that behind closed doors, and that's all you'll see for the year. But this was like, yeah, well done. You made um, you know, you, you did the thing you do, which is make really good accessible racing games that um look yeah. fucking beautiful. So uh, well done. Nice. I can't remember. I think it was Forza Horizon Three when that was at E3. I was there that year, 
and it did have a really great demo. I think it was the opening to the game where you just you you know it kind of whips you through several short races in, in sort of quick succession. Um, and I was so sort of amazed by it that I managed to wander away from the demo station and leave like my phone, wallet, and bag like there on the demo station. And I walked, you know, I walked away. And then about five minutes later, it was like, oh, shit, where's all my stuff? And I had to run back. And I've never been so scared of, like, if someone's nicked it, I'm so fucked. Because it's got my passport, all my stuff. And they hadn't. It was still there, just sitting on top of the Xbox. Couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, I felt like the luckiest bastard ever. So, um, yeah, there's a, a little story. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame we haven't had time to really go through more of our E3 memories yet. But, um you know, I'm sure we'll find um, time for that down the line at some point. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, yeah. So uh, what's your number five, Matthew? Your uh, other two-page preview. Metroid Dread, which is uh, obviously a fascinating story, like long rumoured. I think it was meant to be on DS way back when. You know, we've known the name for ages and they've obviously sort of gone back to it as a cute little nod. As far as I can tell, it doesn't really have anything to do with whatever was long rumoured ago. I mean, it's made by Mercury Steam, who made... Um, uh, Samus Return, uh, yep. Samus Returns on the 3DS, which I thought was very, very solid. Opinion is split on it. Uh, I've, I've seen some people who are like, oh, "I'd be into this if it wasn't for Mercury Steam," which I think is is sort of unfair because I think they they proved themselves sort of worthy custodians with that version, uh, with that previous game. Looks like it's got some interesting ideas. This whole thing of like escaping or being pursued by this like mad robot dog thing is kind of interesting. Not like. I wouldn't say it's the most like visually spectacular like powerhouse thing, but I thought it looked very solid and nice, and the movement on it looked decent. I'm sure it'll just be very playable and fun. Those 2D Metroid games, like they they haven't really messed that up. You know, there's been a big gap between them, admittedly, but they've they've always been rock solid. I think it's kind of hilarious that it's this sort of weird stopgap because whatever's going on with Metroid Prime Four is going on with Metroid Prime Four. But yeah, you know. Who wouldn't be excited for a surprise Metroid? Hey, they at least mentioned Metroid Prime 4 as well. They were like, hey, yeah. development is ongoing. Um, you know, Ask me again in four years kind of thing. Yeah, I thought... Uh, I saw someone saying on Twitter this was this is 50 quid, this game. And I was thinking, it probably shouldn't cost that much. I mean, I've not, I've not verified that, I should say. Like, it looks like... You know, you can sort of see that being a 3DS game three or four years ago and costing 30 quid, which is sort of like spot that, on, I think. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, yeah, that's maybe fair. I mean... It doesn't help that they haven't done, you know, they haven't done a sort of a mainline two D Metroid, not on a handheld, for for so long. You maybe you just look at it and you think handheld, and that puts you in a certain price point. Yeah, that is true, but I just won't tell our readers about that price. So. <laughs> well, as for the game itself as well, like, like you say, I think um, I think it's time to give like a bit of a break to Mercury Steam for the, you know doing some like cool uh, sort of premium 2D games um, for publishers in an era where like those kinds of games aren't that popular. So mm. yeah, I think good for them. I'll be really curious to see how, uh, you know, there's a very sort of, there's a fucking like ton of Metroidvanias you can play on um, on Switch. So I'm curious to see what people who have enjoyed stuff like Hollow Knight and Axiom Verge and, you know, Ori and all these other kinds of games kind of um, make of uh, a modern version of that sort of thing an original modern game in that series um mm. yeah curious yeah, for sure yeah yeah that will be interesting yep so okay cool well my number five is um halo infinite i put that down because i thought the multiplayer show was very strong mm-hmm. like you say i think the there's a real missing in action sense with the campaign that's kind of a bummer because that game's out in you know probably about five months and 
we still haven't really seen much of that campaign and it's it's become a really kind of mixed weird sort of story but they what they did here was they focused on something that 343 has always been good at which is the multiplayer part of the halo experience it's mm. running at very high frame rates on xbox it just looked really fun i thought like really like something i would definitely play and enjoy the fact it's free to play as well uh the fact it's going to be on pc and it's going to be free to play that's like a bit of a game changer i think in terms of um getting people interested in halo again because i do think that halo is a little bit out of time as a multiplayer experience yeah it's like it, yeah it's it's a shame as well because i i think the multiplayer in halo 5 the traditional kind of deathmatch is absolutely brilliant like when you're playing it properly like i i, I wasn't digging it and then i played a load with um friend of the show rich stanton and um some other some other friends who are kind of more into it and when i saw like how it was meant to work and how it worked when you were kind of playing it quote unquote properly it was just absolutely magic i was like oh wow this is like seriously good stuff like i kind of feel like halo isn't as like pick up and play as it maybe needs to be like it's a game that has a certain rhythm to it that's quite different to other death matches you know it's it's so different from call of duty for example and it's a shame because when it works, it is super potent. And it's why there are people who are you know, just go wild about their Halo memories. You know, they are lot. You know, it is as precious to them as a golden eye or whatever. You know, and it's 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 how you kind of make sure people kind of experience that or find that how you kind of surface the the magic of what Halo multiplayer can be is a bit of a challenge. But you know, grappling hooks will probably do it. Yeah, I think the grappling hook made it look a lot of fun. I think that. I echo what you say there. Even when I was playing Halo 3 in um, 2007, and I was playing Call of Duty and Modern Warfare at the same time, like those are the two big multiplayer games that year. Mm. Side by side, Halo 3, the rhythm of it, like you're saying, the structure of it, and the kind of everything about it felt so different and of it of its own type of thing that mm. compared to a Twitch shooter like Call of Duty, it, 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 it does struggle to not seem out of time. Yeah, I, um, I hope it's good. So uh, what's your number six, Matthew? So, <laughs> this is where my list gets a little wonky. Oh. Um, I've actually picked uh, Ubisoft's Riders Republic. That is on my. That's on my list. So. Um, oh, oh, great. Yeah. Okay, that's good. I feel less. I feel less weird about it. Purely because it's like, it looked like Forza Horizon, but for like downhill sports. I really miss fun arcadey sports games. Uh, it's kind of. Uh, you don't know what you've got until it's gone situation. There was probably a period 15 years ago where I was like, oh, God, there's so many BMX and skateboarding and surfing games. And then all of a sudden there were none. And it was quite sad. I just, this, this looked like great fun. Like chucking people down hills is always good. Doing it in a variety of, of different kind of sporting styles and having them interact. Super colourful, super jolly. Yeah, so I, I like this a lot we didn't really talk much about ubisoft's conference like i thought that was a definitely one where it felt like they were kind of um punching with one hand behind tied behind their back mm. they kind of went they went deep on their reveals which I, I don't think was necessarily a bad approach but i think that most of the types of games they had weren't necessarily traditional endemic exciting e3 reveals mm. and this was one of them but you could kind of see that it looked really fucking fun just from watching mm. it it looked really like intense. Some of the first-person stuff you can do in this game. Yeah, um, <laughs> like I thought, am I going to be sick playing this? Because it's <laughs> definitely. I was sick watching the E3 conference, <laughs> just hurling up burgers against the TV. 
But I looked at it, yeah, and I thought, oh, it's really cool that someone's making a game like this. And I, I was, I was there thinking, it's actually the the bummer is I, I know that my friends won't play this, so there yeah. won't be, I won't be able to have the kind of leaderboard experience that I really want in order to bring this to life. But at the same time, like you know, it just looked great. I really liked it. Mm. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, Matthew. I think that's nice. not a bad chat. Oh, that's nice. That's good. Yeah. So my number six is Age of Empires Four. So oh, okay. This was actually my favourite surprise reveal of the show because this was announced many years ago, back when I was on PC Gamer, the early days of me working on the website, about 2017 or something, that they announced that they were making an Age of Empires 4, that it was Relic, the um, Dawn of War and Company of Heroes people making it. Yeah, nothing had really been heard from it for a long time. And then they just showed it off and it, it looked like a modern Age of Empires game. And yeah, coming to PC, come to Game Pass, and it's just it looked really full featured and fun and like a good continuation of that series. And I'm I'm glad they took the time to get it right. And it's just mm. out this year. I can play it. And um, yeah, like uh, I like seeing old uh, real time strategy games come back from the dead. See also uh, last year's excellent um, Command and Conquer remaster. So mm. yeah, pleased to see it. Like uh, they actually did it. Microsoft spent you know loads of money making a new Age of Empires for probably quite a small audience. And I um, <laughs> I have to applaud that. But um, yeah, the dads who um, the dads of PC Gamer, um, the the print reading dads of PC Gamer will fucking love it. I'm sure. So mm. uh, yeah. Um, so that takes us to our one-page previews, Matthew, which is 7th uh, to 10th place. So what's your number yeah. 7? Uh, so I, fi- I figure this is the place where I can have a, we can do some slightly weirder stuff. Mm-hmm. I've actually picked that Trek to Yomi from Devolver. I'm going to have to be reminded of which one that is from the Devolver game. That's the 2D samurai kind of limbo-alike. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that did look it's, cool. Yeah, cinematic... You know, very, very cinematic, 2D side-on, basically like if Inside had a baby with Ghost of Tsushima. Actually looks like it's delivering on the kind of black and white kind of Kurosawa filmic kind of look a lot better than the, the kind of the slightly gimmicky mode did in, in Tsushima. Yeah, I like the setting. I really like these these 2D cinematic games. Um, I actually thought this, this, this looked more interesting to me than Somerville which is the one which is made by X Limbo and Inside People. Yeah, I just just thought it would... And it might look a little flat on the page because it's black and white and 2D and, you know, it's got quite like fine levels of detail. Maybe this would be like a big screenshot. Like, oh, no, it's a single page. That wouldn't work. Well, anyway, <laughs> this... It, it, You've got to think about these things in magazines. Let's say um, an ad drops and you have to find an extra page. You're like, I've got no problem. I can sort that out right now. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Trechiomi, like I'm, I'm, I dig it. I'm up for it. Yep, I thought that looked really cool as well. And um, yeah, Devolver had some good stuff there. I thought all of their stuff looked variously interesting. I thought I'd probably, pl- I'd probably play, you know, most of what they showed. So uh, yeah, I think mm. that's probably was the highlight. Good stuff. Cool. So my number seven, I went with Guardians of the Galaxy. So okay. I kind of watched the reveal and I was, I wasn't like massively overwhelmed by it. I'll be honest, but I do appreciate that. It's single player only. There's no live service stuff. The character designs variable, but I would say that people seem to, they seem to go down better than the Avengers ones did for Scrooge's yeah. game. And yeah, I just I looked at it. I thought, you know what? Like, it's a game that's coming out this year that I can play, like with blockbuster production <laughs> values. And I'm kind of kind of curious, kind of curious to see what it's like. It looks a bit like a it's had multiplayer hacked out of it. So a friend of mine made that observation. I can't unsee it now. I'm like, yeah, these look like quite well-developed characters i'm sure at some point they probably thought you know 
do we do a team sort of thing with this? I'm glad they did it the way they did it. So um, mm. it's all single player. But yeah, I, I wasn't overwhelmed by it. But I thought, you know what? That would be a really fun 7 out of 10. That's what I thought looking at this. What did you make of this one, Matthew? Yeah, I mean, this was sort of rumoured before the show that the the kind of the Deus Ex studio or the modern Deus Ex studio was going to be making a Guardians of the Galaxy. And, you know, that did raise questions of... Is it going to be a kind of immersive sim where you're somehow playing with the, you know, tapping into the powers? And I think it was you who tweeted about like Rocket Raccoon going through vents or something. Yeah, I was joking, but you know, like, um, I hope yeah, you, I hope you think that's what the game <laughs> It does sort of look like that, you know, in that you play Star Lord and then you've got all your mates who sort of, sort of do whatever they need to do at required bits. Um, I thought the action of this looked a little bit like the, the kind of the modern sort of action. Final Fantasies with the kind of the control of the sort of you know drop down menus for the other characters to sort of trigger effects and slightly RPG tinged look really colourful. I mean the trailer looks like it's going to whip you between lots of interesting colourful worlds. You know I don't know the the, the the Guardians of the Galaxy outside of the film, so I don't know how true it is or not to the comic book tone or whatever it's tapping into. I'm I'm not that bothered when people base character you know when they make their own versions of the characters you know i thought actually I, th- I said this on twitter but like I, th- I thought one of the few strengths of marvel's avengers was actually i thought their characters were fine like when i actually played the game once you, you got over the very initial okay it's not robert danny jr and it's not chris helmsworth or whatever they were perfectly valid interpretations with with you know full-bodied voice performances behind them so i've kind of got faith on that front yeah i'm sure it'll be a very entertaining seven out of ten <laughs> <laughs> so i've got so i've got some thoughts on the guardians of the galaxy generally so the thing i don't like about this the, the trailer of this is that what they've done in what james gunn did in his films is now stuck to the characters a bit where it's always got to be some fucking 80s music playing and i, I find that just a bit like yeah and i think oh, is that, that not is that not what like Star Lord's about necessarily? Well, no, he's just a he's the dude. He's been a, I think he he's been around since the seventies. Like he's an old character. No, it's it's like uh, certainly not the vibe I get when I read the comics. I think that there's a bit more of a like ticking clock on their appeal. The Guardians of the Galaxy. I think that I would think I think we're well into the second half of people people's interest in those characters as well. Like um, mm. I think this game is kind of, kind of like cashing out just as people are beginning to burn out on them, just because they're a bit more gimmicky than the other Marvel heroes, you know? It's mm. the wacky tree guy and then the little raccoon guy and then, you know, <laughs> the sort of like yeah, this the stuff that's in the films has kind of carried down here. And to be fair, they've got Dan Abnett writing it, who, you know, wrote a lot of the stuff that inspired the films to begin with. So, you know, Skrenix did their homework for sure. Right. Yeah, I just think that yeah, I just think that their whole thing has like a ticking clock on it. And I think their version of um, Rocket Raccoon as well has, like, big Poochie in the Simpsons energy. Um, so, yeah. But, you know, uh, yeah, uh, like you say, an enjoyable 7 out of 10 waiting for us, I think. I'm I'm, I'm definitely going to play this. So, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's anything else coming out that month. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. In the uh, notoriously quiet video games month of, what, October? Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so what's your number eight, Matthew? Uh, I've gone with that replaced, that super mad-looking 2D thing from the Xbox conference. It's sort of, uh, I say it's 2D, it might be sort of voxely On a 2D plane, uh, and I guess the reason I'm including it is that when I was watching the trailer, it took me the whole trailer to work out 
exactly what it was done doing visually it was it was so kind of um so sort of dense so rich with like effects and tricks and weird things going on to disguise that it was just a sort of 2d plane you know with the lighting and everything i i just thought wow this just looks at you know one of the best you know visual showcases i thought at the entire of e3 yeah i was you know god knows what the game's actually about or necessarily how it plays but as a thing i want to see happen yeah I'm, I'm really up for it my number eight is that right matthew yeah. yeah so i've got riders of republic here so um yeah okay so that's um i've got not much more to say about that one really like i say like it's cool that a game like this still exists and has um some big ubisoft budget heft behind it i did think about putting um the avatar game in my list we just don't see enough of it i thought i was there thinking actually does avatar make more sense as a video game world than a film world i think it probably does and so i'm kind of up for seeing what that looks like particularly if it's what? in first person as it kind of alludes to in that trailer but um well, yeah. well uh, here's a perfectly apt time i actually picked that as my number nine. Oh, perfect well there you go so um so yeah for, for this very reason i was looking at i was like this i don't know if avatar is a massive bust because it's just such a weird franchise like I think there are like 20 people out there who are obsessed with Avatar and we're getting really <laughs> upset on Twitter that people were like dunking on Avatar. And I was like, I, it's, it's not necessary for me. It's not, a, it's not a world I am invested in. But it's also, it, just in that trailer, like divorced of all the Avatar stuff, the idea of, of, an, of an open world, which is a, a much more fantastical landscape just visually so vibrant so exciting so i I kind of put the avatar stuff to the side and thought yeah you know what i would actually that is a world i wouldn't mind exploring like i'm interested in that i'm I'm interested in the like the visual density of it the verticality of it the flying around on those things by all accounts people who are into avatar are like that trailer is is stuffed with stuff which like avatar nerds are, are like going nuts for because they're like oh it's super it, you know it really really knows it's avatar stuff um right uh yeah well that's the thing it's it's sort of weird i don't i don't want to dismiss it because of you know it's it's not a film i'm, I'm kind of crazy into but um yeah I, I i just as a big shiny next gen looking thing i'm i'm i like open world games i guess <laughs> Yeah, I'd like a poke around what the Ubisoft version of that world looks like. Um, mm. Yeah, I thought it was... and a massive, massive are like, in, you know, I think they're they're not just the part of the, the typical Ubisoft production line. You know that you know obviously this isn't anything like the division, but it has a they they have how they have carved out their own sort of thing there a little bit. So I think that's interesting. Yeah, I'll confess I have no idea how Ubisoft actually works in terms of the sort of studio lineup and what it means to lead a studio versus having probably loads of other supporting studios feeding stuff in. But, you know, I've, I've certainly I know the Division games to be massive games. So, mm. yeah, I mean, and those are like the um, two of my favorite, you know, games as a service games because they they have these dazzling worlds and they're fun to spend time in and the shooting's really good and yeah mm. there's um there's actually you know a, a few cool fiction bits to dig out as well so yeah i i'm i'm, I'm fond of their games and um, i hope that's good so uh yeah, yeah. there so, was a rumor doing the round today that it was apparently or the, the story that they were they were they were putting out is that it's 
that it was Avatar that kind of convinced them Massive should have a, star, a pop at Star Wars, apparently. Oh, okay. It wasn't EA. Like they showed it to them and they were like, oh, wow, look what you've done with Avatar. Yeah, let's do that with Star Wars kind of thing. Which yeah. I don't, I don't, that might just be bullshit. But. It wasn't um, <laughs> EA's failure to actually make some Star Wars games over the last um, yeah. 10 years. But, um... Yeah, and they offered, they, Disney offered me to make one. <laughs> I think they were so desperate for something, anything to happen. <laughs> I was there thinking, I bet now someone will like do a remaster of um, Fate of Atlantis because like surely they would be well up for that sort of thing now you know those kind of scales mm. of projects like um, it'd be really rad to see someone do that with Indiana Jones I was mm. thinking about it the other day as I was considering playing it and I was trying to impress my partner by saying look how nice this pixel art is and it was like you know it's like she was looking at a shoe or something she just wasn't impressed <laughs> and I was like I was deeply hurt but yeah um, so we've um, gone through your number nine so we're down to your number ten right Matthew oh, wait, wait I've What's got your number nine my number nine yes yeah, sorry so my number nine and ten actually are both from the um, PC gaming show, which obviously, full disclosure, I you know used to contribute to when I was working on PC Gamer. But um, I put Death Trash at number nine. Have you seen this game? It's like oh, this the thing, it had some like weird meat meat creature in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what's it up. I think quite like gnarly, sort of two D, um, kind of like original Fallout infused, kind of like post apocalyptic role playing game thing. Mm. Um, I just it has really nice artwork. I'm kind of think that I'm going to play it and it's going to be too hard for me, and then I'm just probably going to be upset and never play it again. But I really like the look of it. I thought it was just a, a, it's it's something I've kind of seen doing the rounds on Twitter is like in like GIF form for about three or four mm. years. Um, so it's nice to see it turn into a game. You can actually um, play it in early access on the fifth of August, which isn't far away. So yeah, just a bit of a. I didn't want to just pick big shiny things, so I um I thought I'd pick an indie here. So. Uh, yeah. Mm. What's your number 10, Matthew? Uh, my number 10 is uh, Shin Megami Tensei 5. So, um, yeah, I thought that, I was quite. I thought was it was quite. Is that a your muted... 10? <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought it was quite a muted reveal, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think. Well, I, I recently played the remaster of 3, and I kind of struggled with elements of it. I hadn't, I hadn't played it before, but there was a sort of central loop to it and a vibe to it I was really into. And I'd often seen it as kind of like you know the weird older brother to persona and actually playing three i was like oh actually no i get this this is doing something different and it's got this sort of different energy to it and i was quite into it and i was just i I just felt it felt very old you know and this just looked like you know clearly all the systems and ideas that you kind of that make shin megami tensei what it is were there but just in a in a much more like visually it was much more appealing and and just looked a lot more modern in its kind of execution and I think it's mainly just because I played three and was thinking, Oh, I wish there was a slightly better version of that I could play. And that's what this looks like. A big old massive JRPG to get lost into. Because it was a little light on JRPGs otherwise, this show I thought. Yeah, if, um, I, if I like um, Square Enix has given it a bit of a break to its um, other stuff, probably because it's like it takes a, it needs a little longer to come along before they're showing it some more. Yeah, that's that's probably fair. So yeah, again, probably too much of a personal heart choice to put in the magazine, but you know, whatever. Well, that's <laughs> the just... uh, that's the Matthew Castle approach to print, isn't it? It's like <laughs> one for you, yeah, one for me. I mean. I should, because you hadn't explained the whole death sentence thing before we did this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> that's very Shin Megami Tensei, though, isn't it? Like, um... oh yeah, that's. I mean, like, 
Oh yeah, that like it's the mysterious billionaire, like that weird dude who lives in the the prison in Persona Five. <laughs> they makes you gives you all the monsters. <laughs> yeah, um, certainly he's he's what I'll look like if I go back into print media, basically. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I. I, I was a bit unfair on this on Twitter. I said it kind of looked like just like a more boring version of Persona, which it's kind of just that they're a bit gnarlier, the Shin Megami Tensei games. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I think that that's in difficulty and as well as tone. You know, mm. they are very kind of like grim sort of games. Um, but I, I confess, I enjoy playing uh, Nocturne or whatever you call it, the um, the third one that just got mm. re-released a lot on PS2. Like... Um, I bought it because it featured Dante of the Devil May Cry series. Yeah. And, um, you know, he does egregiously featuring cutscenes early on to try and get you excited. Even though he plays such a fucking tiny part of the game, it's kind of hilarious. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I thought it was it was the game that actually got me interested in Shin Megami Tensei. So I was probably being a bit harsh on it. I think it's because I didn't like the 3DS one, Shin Megami Tensei 4. I think it just looked... But that a- was quite, that's quite, like, super traditional. That's, like, you know... Yeah. A, a, a lot kind of old, like older feeling weirdly um yeah i just i don't know i think it also speaks to just the fact that like there's a bit of a soup of other games which i'm kind of interested in and i kind of plucked this one out for number 10 <laughs> yeah that's not bad and not a bad call i thought about warioware but then you sort of talked me out of it i was like oh well, yeah uh, I don't know. I just I've been burnt by by a few too many mediocre WarioWares. That's that's well, that's a I man, do love WarioWare. That's but. a man who's been in the WarioWare mines. You know, I've got to like um, I've got to respect the uh, the time you've put in. Um, yeah, right. I just remember playing the Wii the, the the Wii waggling version of that at the Wii launch in the Wii house, and that was a nightmare to review because. You know, it was in the big room and they had all that, you know, it was the room where they had the celebrities coming in to play Wii Sports. And then I was tucked away in a corner, just wobbling my weird gangly frame to make a strange cartoon man scream at me. Yeah. Yeah. A a weird time. I love that David Lynch film. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, good stuff. Right. So my number 10, then, Matthew, to close us out is the game uh, Gloomwood, which was also at the PC Gaming Show. I, I like the look of this. Yeah, so this is basically, you know, Thief, but done by the um, developers at New Blood Interactive. It's not fair to say it's exactly like Thief. It's basically like, um, in the same way that some of their previous stuff, is like Dusk, has kind of um, riffed on 90s first-person shooters. We're now seeing basically the Thief version of this. And to be honest, I, anyone, any developer who wants to make like a modern version of something that was really fucking cool on the PC in the 90s, I'm all for it so um yeah i thought this looked really really good um just yeah if if i have to depend on indie developers to plug the um, immersive sim gap then so fucking be it i will do it in which case then matthew we um we have picked we've picked our uh our magazines so um we now go to the bonus categories where we kind of fashion a little bit more about what each magazine is um so first of all matthew like um you reach near it's near the end of deadline right and then mm. um you just had uh basically like something drop from the magazine and you've um, you've got to put in a two-page house ad. So what preview are you going to get rid of from your section? Basically, what I'm saying is, what's a game that you were kind of like, had reserved interest in, but then were kind of like, eh, out of the, um, the E3 reveal? I have a definite answer for this, but I wonder if I've made this category too confusing for you to pass. No, no, I, I, I understand. Um, it, it would probably be Shin Megami Tensei Five. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the one I'm, I'm kind of I'm willing to drop. Um toying with trek to yomi just because i think it looks a little flat on the page but 
Yeah, probably Shin, Shin Megami Tensei. I don't know if there'll be a gnashing of teeth if that's not in there. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Um, yeah, so interestingly, I actually like, I did probably not explain this clear enough because I've actually picked one that didn't make the top 10 that I booted out of oh, the magazine right, pick another, oh, preemptively. So this is where I put Battlefield t- um, 2042, which I was I found completely <laughs> uninspiring as a reveal. I was like... Oh, it's like it's like this first person shooter is on an endless cycle of like, are people bored of World War Two yet? Yep. Okay. Uh, modern warfare. Are people bored of that? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Right. Move forward to uh, like futuristic warfare, and there's like obviously amazing artistry going into making the game happen, but it's just theme wise really dull. Just having some weather turn up in the middle of a battle doesn't make it fun to me. I was just I, <laughs> considering this is like a full price game that's just an online multiplayer experience. Just did I did absolutely nothing for me Battlefield. Do you have any sort of thoughts on it? Yeah, I I, I watched the trailer once and then it kind of it, it sort of passed through my head straight away. It's sort of a sh- it's sort of a shame that the last one I really liked was what was Battlefield One, which you know while it was all sold as oh this is World War One and it's really grim and hard work just like World War One was. Um, it was also like. A, a little bit kind of like giant blimps and trains with cannons. It was a little bit silly in Indiana Jones in places, mm. um, which just made it super. It, it was like super cinematic and fun to play. Where this one looked a little bit like I'm kind of I'm I'm here to like really bum you out and make you kind of fear future warfare, <laughs> which isn't necessarily what I want from an evening because I, I I have that fear anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, just a really uninspiring reveal. Um, yeah, obviously EA they weren't at E3, but they're doing their thing next month. So I'm sure we'll talk about that when we get to it. So mm. let's fire through to the actual bonus questions, then Matthew. So what's your magazine called? So I warn you, it's not it's not Mega Lols. But I've had a thought about this. I can't tie it to any particular platforms. I'm going to call my magazine Hub World. <laughs> okay. All right. Interesting. Do you want to uh, kind of explain your choice there? Well, it's the classic thing of taking a video game terminology and attaching it to a video game project of some kind. And also a Hub World in games. It's like where you go to to get to everything else, which is kind of what a magazine's about. Mm-hmm. It's like your Hub World for gaming. Okay. Yeah, I quite like that. I it's quite of... poetic. It's, it's death on the shop shelf. Um, <laughs> like what? I mean, it, it, now what I know that I'm going to get my throat cut. I might actually change the name of it to Official Roblox Magazine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Roblox versus Minecraft. Um, that's the new magazine from Matt Castle, <laughs> yeah. and uh, none of the preceding games will actually feature in there. Um, <laughs> no, they all will, but it's just yeah, yeah no Roblox. It's just to get Roblox. Cool. I, I have a name for mine as well. Um, I gave it a lot of thought. <laughs> it actually reminded me of when when I was at Imagine, they were trying to come up with names for the website that they had. They, um, I think, like section editors and above were invited to give ideas, and I was a staff writer at the time, so I felt a bit left out. And I was just like um, briefly considering running into the meeting room and go- going, "Let's call it Game Gazebo," but then I chose mm. uh, chose not to do that. So um, the idea that I had, like briefly, was Game Geared, but then I thought that was terrible. <laughs> So I actually came up with the more elegant, um, I think this is actually pretty good, uh, New Game Plus. I thought it was pretty good. Oh, okay. Yeah. So oh. you've gone down a similar route, taking a bit of gaming terminology. Yeah, I mean, I do have the word game in the title. Um, I will give myself that credit. Yeah, um, I mean, Hub World requires you to know quite a lot about games. To, <laughs> it Maybe it's like Hub World, in brackets, like Peach's Castle. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a very small font underneath the logo? Well, that's like the slogan underneath the title. You know, it's like 
the unofficial Nintendo. It's like Endgamer, the unofficial Nintendo magazine. Hub World, like Peach's Castle. Oh, amazing. Uh, brackets from the Super Mario series. <laughs> and then square brackets from Mario 64. <laughs> oh, amazing. And then halfway down the cover, um, the um, artwork can begin. Um, amazing. <laughs> Oh, that's really good. Uh, they say that games magazine title should need to be explained at great lengths on the <laughs> the most premium bit of the cover. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, New Game Plus is mine. I thought it's about new games, and it kind of suggests like, hey, you know, we'll give you a little bit of something extra on top of the new games. There's no more thought process than that. But it is better what is than the Game plus? Gear. Well, you know, it's, that represents the analysis that people get in the magazines. Um, I mean, mm. but I'm going to choose not to put that underneath the title of the magazine. <laughs> in brackets, the plus <laughs> represents the analysis. <laughs> I think that can go on like the editor page or like the um, the review <laughs> intro. You know, it does. <laughs> I think mags should be like more explanatory in, the, in the, under their mastheads. <laughs> Yeah, it should be like, um, you know, it should have been like official Xbox magazine, brackets, um, so not official PlayStation magazine, <laughs> or, or Edge. Um, yeah, that sort of thing. Uh, okay, cool. Um, so what's your main cover line to go along with your um, Breath of the Wild 2 cover, Matthew? Well, I'd, uh, I haven't written one out exactly, but it would it would, it would would probably be something, uh, some terrible joke about cloud gaming, because it's him jumping through some clouds. Oh, yeah. So it'd be like... Nintendo reinvents cloud gaming or move over cloud gaming. Because if you remember from our previous cover episodes, I love to tell things to move over. (laughs) (laughs) And so move over cloud gaming, you know, here's this. I mean, it's also difficult because it doesn't have a name. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, move, move over breath of the wild it's the sequel to breath of the wild <laughs> it's the as yet untitled sequel <laughs> to breath of the wild with a target release date of 2022 maybe 2023 <laughs> that's in brackets <laughs> uh, brackets are very much a theme of my cover <laughs> i feel like i've talked you into a corner where you have to make yours naffer than it actually is now um which i feel bad about but um no, that's good. I like that. Cloud gaming, very good. Yeah, the move over thing is so funny. After you pointed it out to me, I just can't unsee it now. <laughs> uh, okay, so mine then for the Elden Ring cover. It's uh, Elden Ring or Smelden Ring. That was the... Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. So if you thought New Game Plus suggested something quite, um, you know, classy, this immediately um, undoes it. To be yeah, honest... Yeah, you're going for like mid-90s games master with that yeah i mean i could have i was thinking oh i could have gone for something like um you know will will miyazaki be the new lord of the rings but i uh i just thought oh god i kind of hate myself just for even thinking about it so um yeah it's got to be game of thrones and george rr martin i don't really i don't know i don't really want to talk about george rr martin i don't feel like he's a selling point Uh, every time i see his name on something i'm like why aren't you finishing that fucking book that's all you have to do like that's all anyone wants you to do is finish that fucking book you couldn't do it in time for the tv show to end (laughs) elden ring a winner is coming winner is coming (laughs) (laughs) oh dear Oh, is the t- is the T crossed out and then the end kind of like hastily drawn in? Yeah. yeah. Oh God, I love that. It's so awful. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> okay, so next up, Matthew, who's your monthly columnist in your magazine? I was always very envious when people had game developers as their columnists, but I want a game developer who can write. So, of course, I've got Shooter Kumi as my regular <laughs> columnist. Okay, great. He, he can be a bit like Sakurai in in Famitsu, just kind of like. He can basically muse on anything he likes from the month. 
I think that would be good. Did you ever read the Kojima columns from official PlayStation? The official PlayStation 2 magazines, like, really early on, those ones? Yeah. I did, yeah. They were very, like, I remember picking up my first issue of official PlayStation 2 magazine and being incredibly impressed that they had him. Like, um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's impressive, but it's also a little bit like, like obviously there, was no, there wasn't a lot of like, can you kind of maybe talk about this? Because it was just him warbling on about like any old nonsense. It was like his film opinions, basically. It wasn't much about games. I heard a rumour that it was it was one gigantic piece that was cut into different bits. But like, Oh really? Oh that's interesting. That makes sense. When they did a, they did a big Metal Gear bookazine when I was still there and I did some like uh, freelance prodding on it. And that was the bit I had was all those columns, and it was like editing these things from like years and years ago. And they were, they were, yeah. It felt like someone was scared to kind of give him any kind of notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm which you probably would be because at the time, you know, he obviously was like the shit hot guy. So yeah, I think just the feat of having it was really impressive. And the fact oh, is, yeah. you know, it was twenty years ago. I was reading official PlayStation Two magazine, and I still remember that column all these years later. So yeah, yeah, it's great. I mean. Shuchikumi probably doesn't have the instant like wow factor, but it'll be it'll be a good read. Yeah, um, that's um, you know I I would expect nothing more or less from you, Matthew. Um, so <laughs> I picked um, Amy Hedig actually. I thought oh that's good. She's a great thinker. I um I mentioned the uh, design notes um, or maybe it was designer notes podcast from um, Soren Johnson, um, the uh, Civilization Four lead designer. And um, he had a few really, really good episodes of Amy Hennig where she was like totally honest about her career and and uh, and talking about working at Crystal Dynamics and stuff. And I just thought I would like I totally read a thing that she says every single month. Like I think she's um, oh, yeah. I think she's brilliant. So um, yeah, oh that's really good. Yeah, I did actually put like a, <laughs> a kind of like emergency one in brackets in case you pick someone like Wario and caught me off guard. So I just <laughs> so I just put Crash Bandicoot in brackets. <laughs> What does that idiot have to say anything? It's like, oh, look, here's Crash Bandicoot with a searing hot take about the pre-owned games market. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Crash Bandicoot is not happy with the ESA. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I, uh, yeah, that, but then you didn't, so I didn't have to resort to that. It was like my emergency break glass option. Um, well, that's the thing when you get these questions. I don't know if I'm just meant to be like, you know, slamming custard pies in my own face for people's entertainment, or if I'm actually meant to make the case. No, I don't want you to feel that way because I think if we're, I think it's like you say, if we're being too performative, then it w- yeah. it won't be funny. So I think it has to come <laughs> from a kind of like um, a profound place. The truth is, I wouldn't do a cover with Elden Ring or Smelden Ring. I just briefly <laughs> amuse myself with that. And and I wouldn't put brackets under my mustache. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. Suddenly, this is a viable magazine. <laughs> fucking hub world i can't wait to subscribe hub to hub world. hub world is that could be a legit patreon magazine <laughs> yeah exactly not patreon kicks you could kickstart a niche games magazine called hub world for sure what would uh, be your uh financial target matthew for issue one uh 40 quid oh well we want it to be classy so like i don't know 50 grand okay yeah that's good Cool. All right. I'm, that was um, <laughs> that's far too granular. But um, yeah. So next, uh, next question. So, what's the free gift that comes with your first issue? So, even though I don't, you know, we've been paid all this money by this billionaire. For some reason, I've still got ties to uh, End Gamer and Future <laughs> in my scenario, and so I've still got some of the terrible, broken End Gamer ice cube trays to give away. <laughs> So I'm going to go back. I just got to get rid of them because they've been sitting in a warehouse for over 10 years at this point. 
something has to be done. Are you aware of this ice cube tray? I think that you've told me a bit about it on background, as it were, but um, not we on gave, the air. We, get, we've, we infamously gave away a Nintendo ice cube tray as a free gift, but we made it out of like really brittle hard plastic, which you can't... It shatters when you put it in into a freezer. So it was a gift that automatically broke itself and turned itself into quite sharp, <laughs> razor sharp shards of plastic, which which was actually like dangerous. It was just danger, a dangerous gift. You couldn't get the ice cubes out of it without breaking it. It was just horrible. It was a gift and it was so bad that we then gave it away again like six months later. <laughs> And it was like round two. Any of the readers we didn't finish off the first time, we came back with a vengeance. Oh. So this is the this is the last go. This is the last the last uh, roll of the dice for the ice cube tray. <laughs> yeah, I think if you're picking a free gift, you have to summon some of that old kind of like magazine energy, which is why I've gone with um, a very cheaply made frisbee that has Sonic <laughs> Colors remastered on it, and it's so badly sellotaped to the front of the magazine that when you kind of pull it off of there, it will rip off most of the Elden Ring artwork, um, <laughs> leaving a hole where you can see my face on the editor's <laughs> intro page. So yeah, that's what I thought I'd go with. And um, we couldn't we couldn't um, clear the uh, Sonic Colors rights with Sega fast enough, so um, they weren't happy about it, but they ultimately let it go um, in exchange for a bit of um, coverage on uh, Sonic Colors Remastered next issue. So, oh, well, that's yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad you managed to turn that one around. <laughs> it's turning into, like, fucking editor D&D or something. It's really weird. <laughs> uh, okay, so, final one, Matthew. What's your back page gag for this issue? So, during the Jeff Keighley show, he did the Among Us Jeff Keighley mask drop, and I was thinking we'd probably do a page of, like, other Jeff Keighley DLC for games that he announced. And it would just be like his face photoshopped into loads of shit screens. Yep, I can sort of, um, I can see that, yeah. Is there any kind of like specific examples you wanted to sort of pull out there to um, give us an idea? Uh, I haven't really, it wasn't that, it really wasn't that sophisticated. It would be like that Korean MMO that he showed off, except <laughs> it's like his face on a samurai. Yeah, um, it's every member of Weezer, but with his face. <laughs> yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if you've ever been in a magazine planning meeting, which you obviously have, but many of our re- uh, listeners won't have been like that is how a lot of back page ideas start you know no firm examples just like a eh, we'll feel it out <laughs> it's some it's something along those lines yeah matthew i'm really keen that our 50th episode is us tackling how back pages get made in magazines because <laughs> yeah. um i think i can bring phil back on for that one and talk about some of our infamous pc gamer ones so mm. um that'll be fun but um yeah so Back pages of magazines are usually like comedy produced under duress, which is not really the best way to make jokes. Yeah. It's like there's an imminent threat of a deadline, so a joke must happen. Can you please make the joke happen? And it's like, it ends up being a deadline day thing where, I don't know, it's just quite stressful. So I picked um, a good old-fashioned bingo card. I was thinking, I've got to pick something oh. that when I hand it to my art editor on deadline day which, on at 3pm, which I inevitably will they've got to be like, okay, this is something I have to get done in about 45 minutes. And so, yeah, yeah, a bingo card, spot on, you know. Maybe there can be little images to go with it. But um, one square is like Jeff Keighley introduces a dad band who are embarrassing now. This is for like E3 2022. <laughs> um, yeah. Another is that Tom Clancy's grave starts spinning at high speeds after another sci-fi game is announced in his name. 
Um, <laughs> it's that sort of thing. Uh, whenever a trailer does a really overplayed um, 2001 A Space Odyssey uh, riff, which that happened again with uh, Super Monkey Ball. Um, <laughs> yeah, what's your what's your sort of take on that Monkey Ball reveal, by the way? I'm there thinking, I kind of just want to be able to play the old Monkey Ball games I've got and not buy a new one that does largely the same thing. That was kind of my take on that. What about you? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I feel I feel about Monkey Ball the same way I feel about WarioWare, really, in that I used to love it, but it's just been so rotten for so long that I'm sort of surprised that people are like, oh, yes, Monkey Ball. I'm surprised people have a take on Monkey Ball, <laughs> I guess. it's It just hasn't been relevant for a long, 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 long time. Yeah. Since GameCube. I mean, they've been bad since the Wii Forward. So, hmm. Yeah, I was... Hmm. Um, I, I, feel, I feel largely the same. What people have is nostalgia for you know, Super Monkey Ball 1, 2 or Deluxe. It's just diminishing returns, really. I think there's only yeah. so many times that that, uh, that idea in those mini games can kind of delight you, you know? Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I, but you know, I, I'm sure it'll be, yeah. Based yeah. on the older games, it'll be fine. But yeah, so the bingo card, Matthew, what's the verdict from my rival editor at Yeah, I'm, bingo card's classic. I think you're right. The art of the back page, you know, half of it, or not even half of it, 20% of it is, is it funny? And 80% is... Can I get the art editor on board to actually make it in the time required? We've had so I, I just have I remember having so many conversations with art editors over the year where you give them some bullshit and they just look at you like you're scum of the earth and you're like, eh, just put Jeff Keeley's face on all these screens and they're like, why? That's terrible and you're like, just do it and maybe it'll work. And you're like, look, mate, my life is on the line here. Like there's a <laughs> yeah, like you don't seem to understand. I'm going to be killed by a billionaire. <laughs> If you can't make this happen, and uh, if the mag doesn't succeed. Yeah, okay, good stuff. Yeah, I think um, there's some solid ideas there. Um, I suppose you do need the context of knowing who Jeff Keighley is for, for yours. I mean, the the thing I always tried to do on um, Piece of Gamer is to pretend that like the outside world didn't exist so much, so you didn't have to like know other yeah. cultural references coming into the magazine. The magazine was its own like closed-off world, which I feel like your magazines were to a large extent as well. They, they were. I mean, they, they were... I'm, we were often at the heart of the jokes. It was very, very self-indulgent. Um, it's kind of hard to imagine what they'd be without the rest of the team. A lot of our back pages were like leftovers from photo shoots that we'd done elsewhere in the mag. And then we just, you know, if there was a picture of me testing a balance board, the back page would be some daft, you know, like my exercise tape or whatever. It would be like, well, you've got this image. Let's just write some jokes around this. But it's, it's uh, I, yeah, I don't know where the photo shoot would come for for this particular E3 issue. Okay, good stuff. Well, there we go. Then um, I'm suitably exhausted, which is how I used to feel after making a magazine. So um, we've done E3, <laughs> Matthew. Um, any more thoughts to wrap us up before we say goodbye? I'm slightly miffed that in this period where we'd normally go to the pub and just chill out because we'd finished an issue, uh, there does hover over us the threat that we were going to get our throat cut in down the line. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to like... say that a respiratory illness could kill us by going to the pub. Oh, no, no. Well, and there's that too, but it's more like, I don't know if I can enjoy my pie at the Raven, <laughs> you know, knowing that it may be my last ever pie. <laughs> That's how uh, Keir Starmer felt when he walked into the Raven. Local jokes. More niche jokes about the eateries of Bath. Um... <laughs> Oh, good stuff. I did feel like that was pretty sharp, though. All right, so the podcast is over, Matthew. Where can people find you on Twitter? I am at Mr. Basil underscore Pesto. I'm Samuel W. Roberts on Twitter. We'll be back next week with an episode about, good God, Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, We might still get cold feet and cancel it, but... (laughs) 
I don't know. I feel like I've I've made Jay commit at this point, and I can't really cancel on him without feeling really bad about it. So I think we just have to go through with it and talk about Sonic for about an let's hour. Just and do it. Half. Let's just pull the trigger. Yeah. So if you if you think you can stand an episode about Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, come back next week. If you don't want to listen to that one, which I completely understand, um, there's an episode after that about cover features that we're doing and writing those and a bit more of the kind of like magazine craft stuff that um, people mm. might enjoy listening to and then i think it's the week after that that we're doing best games of 2009 right matthew so yeah that yeah. sounds great i cannot wait what a year yeah it's a big year and um yeah and then the week after that is best zelda game so we've got a really good run of episodes coming up um you just have to bear with us through sonic the hedgehog um <laughs> i'm so so sorry people so if you want to follow the podcast, it's um, BackPagePod on Twitter. You can also email us your questions at BackPageGames at gmail.com. Email us your questions. We'll read them out when we get a, um, a bit of a break at the end of an episode. And then uh, if you'd like to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, our podcast is like regularly updating on Apple properly now. I don't know what the problem was. Briefly having some issues. Now it's fine. Apple's a really good platform for us to find um, uh, sort of new listeners. So if you'd like to leave us a review, it'd be much appreciated. Thank you to those who have already left us reviews. And uh, we'll be back next week. 